Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. I'm really excited to share this discussion that I had with Karen from Mind Marvels because she successfully sells to schools. And the thing I love about her is that she has this great business head. So she's learned from so many mistakes and she can offer so much great advice actually to anyone who runs a business. But the reason why I specifically invited her is because what she sells to schools isn't actually academic, which I presume adds a bigger challenge when you're selling. So in this episode, she talks about the mistakes that she's made, lessons she's learned, things she might do differently if she was starting again, and how she's built her reputation so that schools now approach her. If you want to see the questions that I asked, you can have a look in the show notes. But if you want it to be a surprise, then keep listening. I hope you enjoy. So welcome, Karen, on this very hot day. I've actually got my window open, so you might hear some background noise. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself to us? Hi, my name's Karen Gibb, and I'm the founder of Mind Marvels, which is a wellbeing business or service that goes into schools and nurseries up in Scotland, soon to be franchising UK-wide. Very exciting. And what does Mind Marvels do? What do you deliver to schools? Yeah, so basically Mind Marvels, we work with children from the age of three up to the end of primary school age and work on their emotional well-being. So we base our sessions on the NHS Five Steps to Mental Wellbeing, and that is learn. So they learn a little bit about their brain, their body and what's going on when they're processing emotions. And then movement, so mindful movement, perhaps just getting a bit of a stretch and, and, and exploring kind of ways that their body feels when it's under stress and how to alleviate that. And then moving on to connect, so they learn about a mindful massage, which is just peer-to-peer, fully clothed on the back. And it's a really nice way about young people asking permission and consent about other people's bodies. Let's be honest, when we live in a society where that's really, really important when young people have access to anything on the internet. And then we move on to our breathing strategies and then on to our, our relaxation. And then finally, on to gratitude and positive affirmations, which is a really lovely way to end all the sessions where they, they think a bit more positively about themselves and their peers. Sounds amazing. Can you not do that for adults as well? <laughs> I'd come. I love working nursery are my favourite age. Yeah. Because just absorb everything. They're like little sponges. Primary is great too, but as you get onto like the upper primary levels it's a little bit more difficult they're a bit more reserved they feel a bit more self-conscious um but I have to say most young people that I work with really do enjoy the sessions and and the and the experiences they take away from it and and their permissions around it as well you know they don't always have to take part or they can choose to take part in certain elements and a lot of that is about trust and watching what we do in each session and then wanting to take part afterwards which is fine too. So you really successfully sell to schools and schools even approach you. 
for anyone who is thinking about selling to schools or an int- interesting in going down that route, what was your biggest challenge when you first started that you would give people a heads up about? Absolutely. Um, complete and utter naivety on my <laughs> on my half (laughs) I um, was a teacher before and I thought that because I had the experience of working in a couple of local councils up in Scotland that people would instantly gravitate towards mind marvels and that I would be able to promote it with my teacher friends and it's not to say people weren't supportive but within the teaching industry if you like a lot of a lot of teachers maybe a bit of feel a bit envious towards you or perhaps they wish you well but they also want to do what you're doing too which is a totally normal feeling but I did come across some of my teachers sort of friendships if you like perhaps not being as supportive as I thought or or maybe not passing the emails on that I was sending so that was a bit of a learning curve but what that really made me appreciate is that collaboration especially in business is everything it's so important to me we're not about competition it's all about collaboration so now what I do is try and support teachers as well that are moving out the profession um, if they if they wish to but my biggest um, hurdle was actually getting into the schools first of all so that communication into schools and how to really get that communication across correctly um, I thought head teachers would just reply to emails. Let's be <laughs> honest, they're so busy. They don't need me telling them um, all about me. They need me to tell them what I can do for their school. And that was my first hurdle, trying to work out exactly what to say to schools and trying things and then trying other things and realising that actually I had to be more direct and I had to be short and sweet about it because Head teachers do not have that time to read the long emails or to have attachments that they can open. So that was really important, being concise about my messaging, but also with that, knowing that I had to find that supportive network within teaching to help me move along. So who should you contact if you are approaching a school, if it's not the head teacher and potentially not teachers? Who, who do you find is best to contact? I think if if you, for example, were a, a PE, you know, it was a PE specialist subject you had or maths, it's best to pro- possibly contact that subject lead. And, and the best way to do that is through usually their website if they keep it up to date. If I can't find details on the website of who the person is, I sometimes do a bit of a Twitter search if the school has Twitter and just see who's on there. But the best thing, if, if you can't find that, is to have the subject line for the office with, you know, for the attention of the PE specialist or the mental health specialist. In Scotland, we have quite different names for teacher roles. But I think as long as you can find the person that matches, you know, the subject yeah. that you're looking for, that that's probably the, the ideal way to, to do so. I think that's a really good tip because I think that, most of the time you would think of either contacting a teacher or you'd think of contacting the head. You would go straight there, wouldn't you? Or even a business manager. But actually contacting somebody who has a vested interest in bringing that into the school, is it makes perfect sense. So I presume that you tend to contact the wellbeing lead or the mental health lead, given that the nature of what you offer Absolutely. Or up here we have guidance or um, right. kind of a bit like PSE. Um, yes. So I, I would tend to contact them. But 
mostly with the success I've had, it has been through contacting head teachers directly. And I think that is because um, up in Scotland, we have something called Pupil Equity Fund, which is similar to Pupil Premium. So, so they have a, a, quite a large pot of spending money each, each uh, year from the Scottish government to spend on mental health. So for me, working directly with the head teachers has been great. But what I often find is they'll then um, direct that email to the deputy or, or yeah. maybe then a mental health lead within the school. So it is just your luck about who actually finds that email. And what I've come to discover is that sometimes we get so excited about our own business and we, you know, I love my marvels and it's my baby and I love what I do. And I sometimes forget that other people don't have that natural enthusiasm <laughs> for my business. So um, whilst we, we don't always need to contact teachers, you know, we have to do we do have to do a little bit of homework behind who who is the best person to contact for each school individually. That takes time. Yes, of course. And. When you make that initial contact, what do you advise in terms of follow-up? So say you've made that contact, haven't heard anything back. Do you then follow up the email with the same person or do you try contacting somebody else? How do you kind of, how do you feel your way through when you don't really know the business, when you don't really know the school? It's so awkward, right? And this is still something I struggle with. I love to say there's an easy formula that gets you into all these schools, but sometimes it really you really have to push yourself. I read a statistic the other day that said something like 80% of sales are through follow-ups. And actually now I think I could believe that as somebody that's quite... I don't, I, I'm not an impulse buyer. I like to sit and think about things for a while. So if somebody came back to me, that would be me more likely to sell to me but from that point of view especially going from a teacher into owning a business you think oh I don't want to bother people or I don't want to look like I'm desperate or I'm I'm hassling but what you have to do with that is change your mindset so you have to think well actually what I'm doing is supporting young people with their mental well-being which then leads to raising attainment and and them being able to have those those good grades although that's not the basis for what I do that you know that can when we're when we're ready to learn with our brains we then are able to process information better so it has a knock-on effect good mental health and you know great attainment too but I think with that, you you really have to just sort of dig deep <laughs> and make a, a point. I mark in my calendar to follow up three weeks later. I also look at timings. You know, some people say, oh, it's best to send at a certain time of the week. I've just found that I have to have like courage and just send when when I when I put it in my calendar to send. Otherwise, I'll ruminate and I'll I'll think too much about it and not do it. So I don't want to sit here and say it's really easy and, and that it always works. But I often find that head teachers miss your first or second email anyway. So by the time you send a third following up, they're very much like, oh, yes, we'd love to. Or, oh, I've been meaning to get in touch with you. I've also used snail mail as well. So I've sent out individualised postcards, hand, handwritten them to schools, 150 schools to be exact. <laughs> what was the reception with that? Well, unfortunately, it was right before COVID. So <laughs> I did all the handwritten cards. and so then Were I did, your cards like quarantined? <laughs> I, I don't even think they got into schools because it was literally the week that everything happened. So I'd love to know the success rate now, but I have heard that can work well. Um, but again, it's having that 
tenacity and that ability to keep moving forward yeah I don't always think we're natural business leaders it's something for me at least it's something that I've had to to grow to love talking about money talking about costs talking about having to re-engage with schools or even at the end of a block of sessions having to say to the school so would you like me back in next year you know that there does come that awkwardness with it but the more you do it the easier I, I do think it it seems to be and because every head teacher or or every teacher that you work with within the school is quite different I don't always think there's a necessarily blueprint to follow but it seems to if you have the consistency with the following up that's what seems to really work for me and there are two things you mentioned I I really like what you said about you're almost targeting a pain point so you're kind of saying that I know I'm talking about well-being and mental health but actually this is this is going to affect attainment in a positive way. And when it comes to marketing or selling, that's actually a really important component, regardless of who you're selling to and what you're selling. So I really like that you mentioned that and the fact that that's something you include in your follow-ups. I also really like what you said about shifting the culture to collaboration. And I I think that was really interesting because, Correct me if I'm wrong, you were initially pitching to, okay, I'm going to teach students, children how to do X, Y, and Z. But then when you shifted it to teachers can also participate and they will also benefit from this, it became something that you got a better reception. Absolutely. I think think it's with enthusiasm as well. So what I teach, and I used to run parent and child classes in the community as well, but what I teach is are strategies that young people can can use, but also we use them. I use them on a regular basis. I have to regulate my emotions most days. Um, You know, it's not something you do once and and it's in bed. It's it's constantly working on your mindset, your well-being. And there's some days where you get up and you think, oh, I just can't be bothered today. But as long as you acknowledge that and you're able to move on from that, even having a break and then the next day, what I say to teachers is that that to-do list is never, ever finished. And I was a perfectionist at school. And actually, that perfectionism has come into business with me because sometimes I think, well, I wouldn't launch this program or this piece of merchandise yet because I've not quite tweaked it. But actually, the only way we're going to tweak things or get things better is to put things out and have that feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. So very quickly, I realised not to just engage kids with this, but engage the, the teachers. And I often ask the head teacher, you should, you should pop in, come and see what we're doing. Um, often they're too busy, of course, because it is a pretty manic in schools, but it's really nice to see teachers getting involved. And then yeah. what they can do is once I leave, is they, they can embed those skills with themselves, but also in the classroom too. I was about to say that, you know, in a way they're getting two for one because they are, you're delivering this to the children, but they're learning the techniques by just being present. So it's something that's ongoing, which gives it that added value. And what you what you said about struggling with this kind of perfection, I think so many people struggle with it. And people who come from a teaching background, you know, everything does feel like it needs to have been done yesterday. And that can translate into business. But when you are running a business, the beauty of it is, in a lot of ways, you're the only one who's setting deadlines and putting pressure on yourself. And I have to sometimes take a step back when I'm feeling stressed out. And just consider the fact that no one is putting this pressure on me but me. 
which means I can also change it. Now you've, you know, you sell so well to schools, you know, you've got so many great contacts. How did you actually start getting known by schools where you weren't having to contact them? But I know that schools approach you, don't they? How, how did that happen? So I took part at the start um, in everything. So if there was school fairs going on, if there were, there was like health, there's something called like healthy schools partnerships up here. So I would appear um, with these stalls with all my main Marvel stuff for head teachers to look at. Any opportunity to get in front of parent association, parent teacher associations, I would do so. Something that really helped Mind Marvels was working in the community. So before COVID, I ran parent and child classes and that really got my name out there. I could hand flyers out that parents would then bring into school. And I, I think when a parent approaches a school about an idea and they've they've tried it themselves or they've got a recommendation, that really b- boosters kind of your your reputation as well. I also offered taster sessions and this was something I was quite resistant to at the start that I didn't want to work for free and why would I give away all my secrets to a school but actually by offering a mini taster session of 30 minutes to a school what I found was that that opened that whole opportunity to me because I was willing to work that little bit for free but in return it opened that door to allow the teachers or the schools to say oh that was really good actually let's get her back in yeah (laughs) so what I would say it's a lot of work at the start and it's a a lot of publicizing yourself I would write into local newspapers and and give articles and and write things up for people and, and put a whole social media presence out there but these little things all add up and eventually yeah. you kind of know you've made it locally when, you know, a parent asks for help or some or a school and then someone tags you on Facebook. You feel like, oh, OK, <laughs> people know about me that isn't yeah. just my immediate family and friends. So that was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. So you just basically you got out there and you were really present. If you let's just say you were delivering this digitally and it wasn't necessarily a face to face thing, then do you think you would take a similar approach where you would have things like taster sessions? Is that something that you feel really unlocked that contact and your reputation? Absolutely. And I think sometimes we do have that resistance, like why would I give it all away or why would I work for free? And I had exactly the same at the start, but when you've got, I guess, no social proof right at the start, or you don't really have the people that can support you that have been through that process, I think it's really valuable. And actually, if you're online, it's even easier because you can bring an audience in from, you know, all over, if you like, rather than only going to one location. But what has been has been so good for me is actually using LinkedIn. I was very resistant to using LinkedIn at the start, but I have had quite a lot of work through LinkedIn, head teachers directly messaging me. Um, I've had my name in the paper a couple of times and I've appeared on podcasts (laughs) through LinkedIn because that network, when you first go on it, it's really overwhelming. You think "Mm, there's people on there showing off their Rolexes and how much money they've made that month. But actually, when you dig down, there's a real nice educators network in there. I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, yeah, there, there really is. It's a really nice network. And the thing about LinkedIn, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because you are selling to you are selling to businesses you know let's face it schools are businesses yep. and yep. you are selling to them and so naturally 
you're going to have people who are who are leaders in those businesses on places like LinkedIn because of the nature of the platform. So that really does make sense. And it's really great to hear how much you've got out of that platform. One thing I wanted to ask is that you've kind of already answered this, but I wonder if you could elaborate. I think that when you're selling something academic, so let's say, for instance, I was selling subscription boxes for, I don't know, English, GCSE or something like that. It's it's a straight line. You know, I know what I need to pitch. I know what I need to say. I know what results I can line it up with. But you're actually selling something that doesn't have an academic focus. We're talking about well-being here. And this is a bit, I know this is a bit controversial to say, but I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen a lot of establishments almost tick the box to be seen to be doing it without really investing and doing it properly. So did you find that you had to almost educate the market or like, how did you actually get in there with something that doesn't have an academic focus that people still want to go for? It's a really good question. And I think a lot of businesses I've spoken to, especially like dance or PE or, or even, even things like English or maths, people struggle the other way because they think, well, that's in the curriculum. They, or, they already have English teachers or maths teachers or PE teachers. But I think it all comes down to this how you're selling that to schools. So if you're saying, hi, I'm Karen, I'm a former teacher, um, I... I've got this qualification, nobody cares about that. It's how you're wording it to the school. How can you show the school what you can do to increase? Because inevitably all of these things are building young people's confidence, which is then allowing them to be, like we'd spoke before, the brain ready, ready to learn. They're they're then able to be engaged in school and, and have their attainment raised. So if you can be part of these building blocks that are working with these young people to then allow them to feel that confidence, feel that resilience, feel um, more able to learn, then that has a positive impact within the school. But what I also did with Mind Marvels was I matched it to the curriculum for mental health. So I actually did that um, in the UK and and, in every nation and in Ireland as well. So what I could do was I could see where positive affirmations would fit in, where gratitude and, and every part of the UK and Ireland as well or they all have a mental health curriculum. So I think regardless what you are selling, you can match that to the curriculum. You can show that need to the school. And overall, you can show how positive, um, what the benefits are of your business can do for that school. Then you're on to a winner there. Absolutely. So do you feel like the golden ticket is being able to map whatever you're selling to the curriculum, something that already exists? Because... If someone is selling something like what you are in a way that's not as directly mapped to the obvious curriculum, shall we say, Mm -hmm. then I suppose what I'm asking is, do you think that that is the way to get in or do you think there are alternative ways as well? So would you be tempted to try and educate and shift that culture if the culture isn't already there where they feel there's a need for what you offer? It really depends on the school ethos and the head teacher. Some head teachers, as you'll know, are so driven with data and results and curriculum-led activities. 
other head teachers are just really keen to not that the other head teachers aren't as keen but they're also keen to really explore the mental health and, and get that on track before the learning takes place but we know there's there's big pressures on schools with off offstead and all the other sort of barriers in teaching if you like so what I would say it's a combination of things it's how you're wording to the school what you can do it's whether they ask well what what's the benefit of this to the school in terms of curriculum you can have a document ready and um, and it's also how you are exploring that with the school so perhaps offering those free taster sessions so I always when I go into a school I'll bring in my price list I'll bring in the curriculum matched and I'll bring in like a little leaflet telling them what it is about and I always ask to speak to the head teacher so when I put those taster sessions in I'll always say I'm, I would like a meeting with the head teacher at the same time and there's been a couple of times where the head teacher's not been there and I've had to go and knock on the head teacher's door <laughs> but one time I did that and they offered me you know a thousand pounds of work because I'm not because I knocked on the door but because I guess I had that urge to really tell them all about Mind Marvels and how much it would it would help and they had a pocket of money to spend luckily yeah. for me so I think it's a combination of factors, but be ready for the different kinds of head teachers that you're going to encounter with some being really data heavy and curriculum heavy too. And actually, well, you did get that because you knocked on the door. You know, I think something I'm really getting from you is that when you do sell to schools, there really is a big element of courage, especially when you're physically going into the school because you're kind of outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> you're walking into this massive community this tight-knit community as an outsider um head teachers are are really busy so if you're asking for their time you've got to make it count and it sounds like it takes a lot of courage to do that and it sounds like you've got that courage and that's what's really led well like you said it's a tapestry of lots of different things but ultimately they seem to be driven by the courage to get out there speak to the right people and actually ask the question because you might feel hesitant to ask for a meeting with the head teacher, but you can only ask. Exactly. And what's the worst that can happen? So when I run the taster session before I, I you know, I agree the dates, I just say I would like a meeting with the head teacher and some feedback at the time. And then what I'll do is I'll compile, like I'll get post-it notes from the kids. I'll take photos, but then I'll leave the post-it notes with the school. So if the head teacher comes round or the teachers want to, and then, and then what want to look, then it's there. But then the other thing that I do is I take those post-it notes and turn them into social media posts as well. So it's direct proof that what I have works. And what's great about that is that you're then building that that element of trust with, you know, you're, you're having that social proof that things are working for you. You're getting the free tasters, you're having the experience. And then the most important one is you're physically in the building with the people that make the, the decisions around money. So, yes, I felt awful like my stomach was churning I knocked the door and I was told she wasn't available and as I was leaving I saw the teacher's <laughs> office and I knocked the door I just did it and she was really pleased to see me and we had that discussion there and then I had the pack ready to give her and I said when when can I start I just made the assumption that I was Brilliant. there to show to showcase and then we would talk and she was you know she was really receptive to that and I think sometimes we do. We're very wishy-washy. I think that's a Scottish term, isn't it? Wishy no, no, no. We use oh. that too. <laughs> we're speak, <laughs> speaking different languages. But we can be very like dancing around the subject. Yeah. We don't bring up costs until they ask. And 
that's really daft, isn't it? Because we as teachers, natural, you know, from a teaching background, we don't talk about money. Or we, we are paid a, a, an amount every month. But when you're in business, you have to find that amount. Um, sometimes it's not every month either. It's, you know, it can be really different times throughout the terms. But I think that gives me that drive as well, because you think, well, I'm in the school anyway. I'm delivering this session. I'm taking time out of my own schedule to do this. So I'm going to make this the best opportunity that I can for Mind Marvels. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, there are two things that I think are really clever about what you did. The first thing is that you use the language that assumes that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good technique to use with people in general, because you're not giving them a chance to cool down. You're not force, you're not forcing yourself on them because you wouldn't get that far in the conversation if they weren't interested anyway. Mm-hmm. But it means that when they've, they've then had time to think about it or their schedule has got really busy, you don't suddenly drop to the bottom of the list. And also what I like is that you leave those breadcrumbs behind. <laughs> That's great. It's like you're leaving your footprint. No, it's brilliant. You're leaving that, that footprint behind so that it's not like that's your only chance. You've actually got a chance after you've left when you're not even present. Your mm-hmm. presence is still kind of felt in a way and the benefits of what you've offered is really felt. I love that. Really, really good. And that's, so there's a funny story with that. Yeah. I'll quickly share that last year I did a taster session um, in a school, left behind my blueprint and messaged every couple of months, emailed, phoned, nothing happened. But, I th- you know, I just didn't receive anything. And then a, a year later, I messaged the, the person again and straight away, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy with COVID and, you know, dealing with things at school. When can you start? And when I went in to see her, she had my little leaflet from a year ago. So it just shows you leaving something physical behind really can help. Help I think that's a fantastic tool because when I think of myself, when I when I was a teacher and I was a lead in various areas, sometimes it was pastoral, sometimes it was academic, and sometimes it was for the school. So I was the IT coordinator for the, the last school I was in. And I would research, you know, I'd go to conferences and I would research and I would collect flyers from different providers. And I would forget about it. Mm-hmm. I had a folder full of them, but I would forget about it because teaching got in the way. You know, I, I had a job to do. I had a day job. Yeah. <laughs> so actually leaving that something behind. And then if someone then prompts me, which no one did, interestingly, but if someone then prompted me, I would revisit it because I collected it for a reason. I didn't just collect it, you know, for no reason. So if you are being invited into a school to give a taster, well, that means they're interested, doesn't it? Absolutely. which means that you can go ahead with confidence and follow up and knock on the on the door of the you know for the head teacher you can do things like that one thing i'm going to finish up on is if someone was just at the very beginning of selling to schools maybe they've they're at the stage where they have an idea they don't even have the business yet or if they've formed it into a business but they're really just trying to approach schools what would be your advice to someone just at the very start of that journey I would say don't try to sell yourself. Try to sell what you can do for the school instead. So how can you benefit the school? That was my first mistake. I would send an entire resume of my qualifications in the nicest way possible. They don't care. What can you do for the school? (laughs) Then I would say you may have to work for free for a while. So what I did was I had supply teaching four days a week. 
And then I had one day doing mine Marvel's taster sessions. And then that gradually I could reduce the amount of supply days I did. So we're quite fortunate if you are a teacher that or, or a tutor that you can pick up kind of ad hoc work. But if it's some if you've if coming from a different profession, then some people say, oh, you know, drop it all and roll into it. I'm a very cautious person. So I would say just try and find a little bit of an income to start you and then build up gradually. And that would be my biggest advice. And the last thing I want to end with is that this year when we when I finished, because we were just finished up in Scotland for the summer break next week. So last week was my final week because they have so many things on at the end of term. I brought in some cupcakes from a local bakery and they went down an absolute treat. And I actually had forgotten how much sugar just boosts <laughs> everyone. And they were coming into the staff room and they were like, oh, thank you so much. But I also had a slight agenda, which I did share with them, was that I wanted them to scan the QR code next to the cupcake so they could give me some feedback. And they all did it, no problem at all. <laughs> I love that. I remember you telling me that you'd bought those cupcakes. So I'm really pleased that it went down well that's lovely and, and again, it was lovely yeah but it is literally again leaving those breadcrumbs I mean in this case <laughs> cupcake breadcrumbs but it is isn't it that after you've left they still remember you I mean they are going to remember and you're also increasing your presence and your visibility because rather than working with a few select um teachers where other teachers might look out the window thinking oh, I wonder what's going on there while mm. they're teaching you are now spreading that word amongst all of the teachers now that teacher could then move to another school couldn't they yep and then what happened was the the deputy of one of the schools messaged me and said thank you so much for the the card and the the cupcakes um let's have a meeting in august about coming back in next term brilliant i'm not saying the cupcakes did it but let's (laughs) i I think they did it (laughs) they definitely helped Thank you so much for sharing um, so many useful tips. I feel like this is such a vast area, but what's really interesting, something I've walked away from this conversation is that selling is selling, marketing is marketing, network is networking. It doesn't really matter what you're selling and who you're selling to. So many of the same principles apply. You know, you've been talking about how valuable the relationships that you've built have been to your business. And for most businesses, relationships, relationship building does work and it's, it is it is valuable. You've talked about the confidence to ask the questions and the confidence to sell and the confidence to go in there, especially in the early days, and give people a little flavor of how you work. And I think a really good takeaway is when you said that you used to give people your resume and they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> And that's huge, isn't it? We're so, our instinct is to tell people what we want them to know about us. Mm-hmm. But actually, we have to tell people what they want to know about us. Absolutely. And just flipping that unlocks so much with any kind of content marketing, of promoting yourself, of even selling. It's about them. It's not actually about you. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's so valuable. It's taking the time to build those quality relationships in schools because, Teaching is a small community, teachers talk, and that just spreads the word. And in my case, that spread the word of Mind Marvels and, and the, the franchise coming up, which is really exciting. So thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been great to chat. Thank you for giving up your time. And I'm so excited. If anyone is interested in going down the wellbeing route and working with schools, 
Karen is setting up a franchise model where if you're not sure what that is, it means that you essentially get in touch with her and she has the lesson plans, a ready-made business model for you that you then invest in. So you basically fast track everything. You can start the business straight away and start delivering straight away. And as you can tell from this episode, Karen is massively supportive. She's got a wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience. And what I like about you, Karen, is you're so, so honest. You will talk about things that haven't worked for you and things that have. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the episode. And thank you again for giving up your time. Thank you. 